0: Uh, as our children are being dismissed, uh, I invite you just to bow your head, close your eyes, and uh, consider what we just declared. I will put my trust in you alone. I will build my life upon your love. And of course, we know His love is not just a—it's not just a an emotive feeling. His love is revealed in His laying down His life. If we're going to build our life upon his love, it's not only that we establish our lives in Christ's life. But that we are willing to lay down our lives for the sake of others as well. Lord God, I come to you right now and Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love. Your love which has been revealed in you giving your son Jesus. His love revealed in giving himself. Lord, your love further revealed in the sending of your spirit, God. Thank you for your love. Uh, Might we today Uh, learn more about you or be refreshed in our knowing Uh, those great truths that we already know about you, the character that we already know of you, might we be refreshed in it today? Uh, Might we be further established in your love so that as we go from this place, Lord, we will live our lives like Christ, We will carry his character. We will live by his values. We will live in love as he loves us and everyone. Uh, Lord, God, I pray, I ask that uh, you would build us, that you would teach us. Show us your ways, O Lord, evermore. Uh, Lord, I pray that as I speak, uh, that I would speak uh, your words, your truth. Uh, Let nothing that I uh, declare today be of my own uh, opinion, my own thinking. Uh, Lord, uh, let everything that is true stand. Let anything that is untrue fall away, not only of what we say today, but those those lies that, that, are, that plague us. They're still rattling around in our heads. They still have roots in our hearts, Lord. Uh, let them fall. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you would... Um, yes, Lord, as I speak, that it would be uh, words that are not only true, but your word, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty... Resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, before I get going today, I do want to recognize a dignitary that we have here today, uh, Miss Jeanette Black. If y'all don't know Miss Jeanette Black, she's right here, and I'm sorry I'm pointing you out, but she is a wonderful minister. Uh, she's a children's minister over at um, Friends Church uh, here in Friendswood, and uh, that's a church that we partner with on uh, different um, minister, ministry endeavors. For one, being family promise, which we begin hosting today, um, and uh, and so uh, I just want to celebrate her. She's uh, she's taking a break. Uh, she gets um, uh, a sabbatical uh, after what was it, twenty years uh, of ministry. She gets to take a few weeks off, and um, and so uh, she said, I, "I was in town this week. And I wanted to come see some friends." And so, uh, bless my heart uh, to see her this morning. But uh, y'all should know this. During the uh, school year on Thursdays, there is a horde of children who are fourth and fifth graders who um, uh, their parents will bring them. Uh, sometimes they'll load up in our parking lot where some of the houses down the street, they will, they will come either the night before or the morning of and they will leave their bikes at, uh, at the house or at the church. And, um, and then those kids will ride their bikes to school on Thursday um, to Westwood and Bells because... Uh, Directly after school, they ride over to the French church where they are taught uh, the, the, the goodness, the grace, the love of Jesus uh, from Miss Jeanette. And so um, I, I it's a sight to behold. If you've ever seen um, a gaggle of kids on Thursday afternoons and they're riding through the streets, don't be one of those people who gets on Facebook and goes, I can't believe these kids are riding in the street. Be one of those people who says, praise the Lord that they're riding their bikes and they're excited about it to go learn more about Jesus. And so thank you for your service to our community and to our children and to our lord and thank you for being with us this morning Miss uh, yes ma'am um. Well, listen. And the other really cool thing is, she was uh, her husband was a coach for a long time at Friendswood High School, and um, and I, I got to uh, be coached by him uh, playing football. And whenever I said play football, I use that term loosely, uh, right? I was I was on the team, all right. Uh, but uh, but uh, their family's always been great, and I was uh, also grew up with her uh, her son, and so uh, have some fun memories uh, with him as well. But uh, all right. Here we are, a uh, few weeks ago, I was, uh, I was in Ukraine. And it, exactly two Sundays ago, I was in Shatomer, Ukraine. And, uh, and I was set to preach that morning at Compass Church. Uh, Compass Church is a, uh, it's about a six-year-old church um, that um, Pastor uh, Vasily and his wife, uh, have planted. Uh, this is the fourth church that they've planted in Ukraine, and um, and they've been pastoring this church for a number of years. It has a unique ministry. Um, Shatomer is a um, there's a military school in Chotomir. There's a military base. Uh, Pastor Vasily is a um, he's a former uh, member of the military himself. He was a an airborne ranger for the Ukraine uh, forces, and so uh, he is a certified bad dude. Um, he is tough as nails too. And like t- like just this last week, he went back to the front lines um, to um, uh, to to take. Uh, humanitarian aid and to take aid to the soldiers, uh, and he does this regularly because their church um, is specifically planted in this military uh, city so that they can minister to military personnel, to their wives, and to their widows, and uh, as, as we've talked about this, uh, this war in Ukraine didn't start in February. It's been going on uh, for eight years. Since 2014, there has been war uh, going on in Ukraine, and so whenever they planted this church, they planted it with the intent uh, and the purpose to minister to military personnel, uh, in particular. And uh, and so I was I was honored to be able to um, to 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 proclaim the good news at this church. But before we um, got to church, he said, "Let me take you on a tour of our city." And this was not a tour of, "Hey, look at all the good." cool things of our city it was a tour of the devastation that they have faced since the full scale invasion of this russian aggression that started in february um and so um so i have some pictures uh for y'all and uh, i just want to bring some awareness to some of this i i, I this is this is a picture where you can see uh, a little bit um that uh That missiles have caused this structure, this home, to be uh, to be blown apart. Uh, You can go to the next picture, brother Will. You can see uh, devastation like this. Maybe the next picture, even too. This uh, there was a house standing there. This particular area, uh, a bomb hit that was like, uh, and the impact was like 30 meters wide, and I, I think the crater that it created was like five meters deep, and there were eight homes. Um, that were destroyed, uh, completely de- uh, destroyed, and five people died um, at this one particular site. Here, this you can see the rubble. You can go to the next picture. You can see they've, they've already started clearing it away, and, um, and they're getting ready to rebuild. And you can go to the next picture where they will... Some more of the devastation, destruction. You can see this one. And let's just pause there for a second. Um, So, they have endured some really horrific realities in life. Um, and, And this is really hard they had been a month and a half. I mentioned this last week. They had been a month and a half without any shelling or bombs. And we were in Shatomer the weekend that the air raid sirens started again. Uh, We woke up Sunday morning to air raid sirens. Um, um, Pastor Vasily's wife, uh, Jinya, she told us about how whenever they heard him, it was like a fresh panic, and they hadn't heard him in so long. And she had to get her boys and and move them into the interior of the house. Um, while we were in the service, um, air raid sirens went off. Right before, when, when, when on my brother Rick, who was a board member fellow board member of mission 823 he was speaking and he was declaring a good word and i was about to get up and preach a message and and you could just see everybody tensed up and started looking around um, despite this despite this people have asked me like what is what, what what's the s- sense that you get of the uh, the people in Ukraine are are they angry? Are, are they just despairing? Are they downtrodden? And I think the next picture, the next picture might encapsulate something for me. And, What I want you to see here is uh, these are bricks that are stacked and these are not bricks that are stacked because they came from a factory and they stacked them in a factory. These are bricks that have been recovered from one of those scenes where it had just been demolished by a bomb. And so these bricks are stacked and they've been sorted through because these bricks are going to be used again to rebuild that's something that kind of encapsulates the character that I see over there is a resolve like an unwielding resolve that says okay we're going to rebuild Y'all remember, we've experienced that here. 2017, Hurricane Harvey came through. Um, I had talked to the Domians. I did not know this. They had to, uh, th- their house flooded, and they had to live with uh, with that devastation, that destruction. They said there was, um, I think, what, seven inches came into y'all's house. And so then, of course, they had to rip out sheetrock four feet across and... Um and she had her sister come in town and they could look all the way through the house <laughs> and see her. But that's kind of like the closest thing that I have experienced and, and, and I think that we collectively have, have experienced that continued to kind of come back into my heart, my mind, whenever I would see this devastation and I would see these people just with this resolve that says, We're gonna keep going. We're gonna rebuild. Um, I I know we've, we've experienced that a little bit, but I know this, I know this, they have this resolve, um, and they have this disposition in their lives that, you know, they are very hurt and they are very angry and upset about the atrocities that are, that are going on each and every day. But their disposition is not just one of anger. I, I can contrast this and say, while I was there, and I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with people every day who are living just like with the constant underlying trauma of war, and some of them have been completely, their lives have been completely devastated and impacted. Some, uh, not as much. And again, kind of like I would refer back to Harvey, we all know what that was like. Some people lost homes. Some people were displaced. Some people you know, weren't displaced and they didn't lose homes. But they were, they were neighbors and they were there in the fight to, to muck and gut and to clean out houses. But everybody's experiencing it on some level. Uh, We talked to Nikolai Kaleba, um, who uh, used to be uh, in the president's cabinet, the former president. um, He was the children's ombudsman uh, to the president, and uh, now he runs a nonprofit. And um, every day since the beginning of the war, even still yet, they are rescuing upwards of 500 people a day out of conflict zones. But they're trying to establish, like, okay, so what's the long-term plan? What's long-term care look like? And um, and, and and Nikolai said, you know, he was uh, he was in a conference or on on, on a call and, and they were talking about how this trauma has affected everybody. And he said, you know, I think about it. He said, I didn't think about it necessarily until they talked to us about uh, this trauma affecting everybody. He said, my family's been traumatized. He said, my my wife and my children are in Canada because there's threats on their lives because of his, um, because of his high ranking, um, his stature within the country, and he, uh, so he sent his wife and his children to Canada, and he's like, and they're living well in Canada, but they're separated from me. That's traumatic. That's a trauma that they're going to have to live with. Um, despite that, uh, their disposition is not rage. And while I was there. I get to check in on what's going on back home and here in Friendswood I saw rage rise up over a grand marshal who had different ideals and values about gun rights and we can all have very strong opinions about these things but it was really uh Really shameful for me to read the comments on a public forum uh, just completely obliterating another human being over their different uh, ideals and values. So I'm over there where people are actually being attacked air raid sirens are going off and they're not carrying all this rage but then here where so, so many of us are so comfortable At, that grand marshal thing is just a, that's just a microcosm right it's just illustrative it's you know there's this there's this underlying rage that we have here it's always ready to be tipped off. So we're all on the brink. It seems. Um, the other thing that I I, I notice is, even people who are in these desperate situations, they're not they're not walking around. Uh, Depressed, uh, uh, full, full of you know, even uh, anxiety and worry. It's just like they they have this other disposition about them that is just kind of like we'll have to deal with whatever comes our way. Um, and I'm not talking about clinical depression. Whenever I say this, and I'm not talking about somebody who struggles with like. Uh, like clinical anxiety, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about is just that, like that run-of-the-mill. Things aren't going my way, and I'm going to have a sour attitude. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I really want to be clear about that, because mental health uh, and emotional health is something that we uh, don't take lightly, and we don't just scoff at and go, "We'll just get over it." Uh, too much in our society. Uh, we've had a stigma against those things. Too much in the church. We've had a stigma against those things. And so that's not what I'm talking about whenever I say this. Please hear me clearly. Uh. And yet, I check back in to, uh, to my homeland where we are living relative freedom, relative security, and uh, and every time you turn around, uh, any little wind that happens, any little news story that happens, we get so full of worry. My sister and I were talking about this the other day. You know, there's people who are so worried to send their children to school. And she was like, I don't I don't think anything about sending my child to school because of you know the the possibility of a you know somebody coming in with a with a rifle, an assault rifle and, and starting to uh, kill children. She goes, that's not a worry for me. She goes, but I'm very worried about my kid being abducted off the street. And really when you look at both of those things, while they do happen and they should never happen, Uh, the probability and the likelihood of them happening uh, are relatively small. And so sometimes we get so worried, so concerned about these things that are real things and that we should, uh, we should not be silly about, but we get overwhelmed by things that, are likely not to happen. And again. This is coming from a place. Where I think we have. Relative ease. Freedom. Security. And all of this makes me think. About what the Apostle Paul. Speaks of. In Romans chapter number five. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter number 5 that we should not only uh, celebrate and rejoice that we are justified by faith, uh, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, uh, but we should also, in verse number 3, he says we, should, we also uh, glory in tribulation, hardship, trouble. He says because tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. Uh, experience there could be character as well. It is the result of a trial, of approving. Uh, so hardships patience or endurance, the ability to continue to face hardships. They build character, and uh, and that character gives us hope, and this hope is not just a wistful wish, a whimsy hope. This is salvation hope. This is hope of the gospel. This is that hope that says that one day, all things will be made new. One day, Jesus is returning. One day, not only will, uh, like these Ukrainians, not only will their home be rebuilt, but the whole earth will be restored uh, all injustice will be gone uh, all immorality and sinfulness will be obliterated this is the hope uh, this character uh, that we we have it it secures our hope our salvation hope not not our whimsical wish Uh, Hope that things could go good today, but the hope that resurrection will occur, large scale, that Jesus, who was the first fruits of the resurrection, uh, will return and there will be a full-bodied resurrection of all those who are in Christ. And then it says, and this hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So Paul tells us here that hardships and trials have a way of building our character, building our resolve and building our character. They have a way, actually, of not just being hardships and trials that build your character so that you can uh, you know, face today better, but they have a way in which they build your character uh, so that your hope in uh, God's promise and Jesus' assurance uh, that, that he will uh, return, that he will make all things new. They have a way of securing your hope in these things. Uh, You and I have experienced this to be true, have we not? You know that when you look back at your life, sometimes it's not your great successes that have shaped and formed you, but your great failures. Whether they were failures that you caused yourself, Uh, I've told you all plenty about my blunderous experiences. I can remember sitting there in a uh, holding tank of a jail cell looking around that room going, I don't belong here. And the Holy Spirit of God saying, well, uh, what you did got you here. So why don't you think you belong here? And me having to go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe the things that I'm doing, the foolish things that I'm not doing uh, landed me right where I deservedly should be. It was transformative for me. It was a growing moment for me. Uh, you've experienced this too. Um, Rick Malero, again, I mentioned him earlier fellow board member. Uh, when we were there in Ukraine, he was able to meet with uh, a bunch of kids in, uh, from the village of Pethajiki uh, that, uh, he met like f- four or five years ago. And he came and he said, Hey, listen, um, we're going to start a program. And if y'all start to learn English and y'all start to, um, and you'll you study English and you learn it. I'll come back next year and whoever can pass this test uh, that the English teacher provides um, will give you a tablet uh, and um, and so uh, motivated them and uh, came back and seventeen kids had, had had been able to pass that test and receive a tablet. Well it's been three years since he's been able to be back, and we um, on Monday night. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were sitting down in Camp Willow Park, and, uh, and uh, 17 uh, of those kids who, uh, whenever he met them, they were junior high age. Now they're all about to start their last year of, uh, of high school. Uh, 17 kids gathered with us there in Camp Willow Park, and uh, we were having conversations with them uh, in English. It was pretty cool. And one of them, during our conversations, uh, one of the girls said that she wanted to go and be a medical doctor. And, uh, and, and, and somebody encouraged him and said, hey, you know, that's awesome. Uh, you know, uh, I, I hope you have great success in it. I hope that, you know, all the doors are open for you. And Rick, wisely, I believe, interjected. And he said, he said, I do hope that doors are open, but if they don't, if you run into obstacles, if you fall short, he said, don't count those, you know, don't let those d- distract you and don't just be upset about those. Use those as opportunities. And he says what he calls to fail forward. And he said much what we said, what, what, what Paul says and what we've all know to be true. He said, because a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, great successful stories of people Involve a lot of seeming failure, hardship, trial. So whenever I think about this reality, I see it. I see it, and, and I'm not just trying to prop up Ukrainians. I promise you, they are not—they are not angels on earth by any means. They are full-blooded uh, human beings who have their—who have their scars and their marks as well. Um, they have their uh, things that they have to get over, and uh, and and with my friends, I was able to address some of those things as well. Uh, but but I, I do want y'all to understand that I do see a people who have this resolve that have this character. That, um, that is not just angry and, and ready to be uh, uh, you know, triggered at any moment, right? They're not just walking around overwhelmed with, 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 with every wind of worry, if you will. And, and, and whenever I think about it, it is in large part because they have lived with such hardship for so long. It's not just been four months of a war. It's been eight years of a war. It's not just been eight years of a war. It's been 30 years trying to, uh, trying to build their sovereignty, their freedom, their respect, trying to build their economy despite corruption and abuses of power. Uh, it's been 100 years of being plagued and oppressed by Russia. You can go all the way back to 1914, uh, and probably further back than that, but at least 1914, and you can see where Russia has just been plaguing and attacking and abusing uh, the Ukrainian people for so long. And what has happened through that process as they have uh, there is this shaping and this forming of this community that has resolve uh, that doesn't just walk around half cocked ready to blow up at any moment I was driving through Shatomer after we went on this devastation tour. And while the air raid sirens do cause a bit of panic, I also was seeing on Sunday morning as people were at the market and walking around, it's a, it's a larger city and so it's a, a lot of foot traffic on a Sunday morning at the market. And the air raid sirens are going off and I didn't see everybody running duck for cover. I also I saw people walking and some of them not skipping a beat. And I thought, how in the world are you not skipping a beat? And my brothers and my sisters, you and I, despite our relative freedom, security, our comfort, our ease of life. Uh, you and I do face hardships. Uh, and, uh, our, our nation, uh, for the last few years, has been has been groaning, as it were. We know. Um, but my fear is. My fear is, is do our relative freedom, security, ease of life. When the hardships come, instead of them being opportunities that we see for shaping and forming us and building our character and our resolve, building our hope in Jesus, do our our, our, our our privileges and our ease and our wealth, when these hardships come, uh, they have a way of doing what the enemy wants them to do. And that's break us down and not build us up. Now, here's the thing. Why did Paul say that hardships, that there's hope in hardships? Well, he goes on. And after he says what he says in verses uh, three through five, he goes on to say, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God uh, commended or showed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. A couple things here. For one, uh, Paul uh, reminds us That when we were without hope, uh, when we were without hope, because when we stand and we put ourselves against uh, uh, the standards, the righteousness, the way of God, you and I all know none of us measure up. When we were without hope, when we were uh, at, at animosity and enmity towards God and His way, while we were yet sinners, uh, Jesus died for us to rescue us, to restore us, to bring us into union and relationship and oneness with God. So Christ, so so Paul says, Hey, listen, there's reason to celebrate. Even in hardships. Because whenever you were in the biggest hardship of your life. God came in with a rescue operation. God came in to save you. Through his son. So that's one. The second thing is, how did God do it? How did he accomplish this? Did his son who deserves every privilege, every ounce of security, every ease and comfort of life, did he come in and get to experience that? No, he had all of it stripped away from him. Uh, We know he willingly set it aside. But he had all of it stripped away from him. And it was not just that he's done it, but it is how he has done it, that through his own hardship, if you will, through his own suffering, through his own uh, stripping away and losing, uh, through his death, you and I uh, have been given opportunity, To be one, to be right with God. To be in good, loving relationship with God. And so I take that to understand this, or to mean this. Paul saw that Jesus was victorious through hardship. That our hope came through his suffering death through his hardship through his endurance of hardship and paul said that wasn't just true for him that's true for us that this is one of the ways that god works in this world that when troubles come which are out to destroy us to break us God, through His Spirit, by His love, and by His grace, is able to build us, to build our resolve, to build our character, to establish our hope in Him. There is a war that's threatening a people, and it's not just been going on for four or five months been going on for a long long time but I have good news that these people that are under constant threat of attack uh, they are carrying a character that is worthy that is admirable that is inspiring and I come to uh, encourage my brothers and my sisters Uh, we who are Living so well. So well for the most part. That when things come along that are not well. When trials come. When heaviness comes. When heartache comes. Those things that threaten to break us. When they come. Let's have hope. Because through these hardships. God is able to build us. To build our character. Our resolve. Not just in a hope for today. Right? Not in just rebuilding our homes. But. Our resolve. Our hope. Our confidence. That just like Jesus came back from death into the resurrection. God is surely going to take this world and our lives that have been plagued by so much death and devastation and bring them into a glorious new day. Uh, uh, There will be a new heavens and a new earth. There will be an undoing of all the wrongs. There will be a wiping away of all the tears. There will be a city whose builder and maker is God. That no death, that no war, that no bombs, that no devils can destroy or take away. And so my brothers, and my sisters, might we have hope uh, even in the midst of hardship? And with that, I say, amen. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for who you are. God, I pray, and I thank you for my brothers and my sisters gathered here today. Lord, I pray, and I thank you for my brothers and my sisters of Ukraine and all those beautiful people that I got to meet there. Uh, Lord, I do uh, use them as—I uh, I am inspired by them, but uh, as, as I've said, Lord— Uh, I know that they are human uh, like us. And um, Lord, I do pray and I ask that you would be with them, that you would continue to keep them in your love and your care. Lord, for us today, I pray. I pray that we're going to go out of this place and Lord, we are going to experience hardship of various uh, sizes, shapes, and forms. And Lord, my prayer is, is that uh, we face them with hope. We face them uh, with a hopeful uh, joy of what you can do in the midst of hardship, of the way you can build and shape and form our character to look more like your son Jesus, Uh, the way that you can uh, build and shape and form our hope, not in any king or kingdom, or president, or ideology of this world. Uh, but in your your son, uh, our risen, liberating King Jesus and his kingdom, which will not ever end. Uh, Lord, I pray. I pray that you would be with us, that we would be those who, um, who have hope and hardship, Lord. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you would just please Use us this week to be bearers of your light, of your love, of your good news, Lord, I pray. I pray these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus.